from the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs. This is the Locked On Chiefs podcast. Welcome back to Locked On Chiefs. I'm Ryan Tracy, the founder of Rogue Analytics and your host over at RGR Football. And I'm Chris Clark. Thank you all for listening. We really do appreciate it and hope you guys had a great weekend. The Chiefs are back at training camp and they actually had a uh, training camp day with some season ticket holders. Yeah, very interesting. We're going to talk about that coming up later in the show. We're going to get to the news of the day and how it affects the Kansas City Chiefs. And then we have the return of Juan Thornhill, who is progressing, and a number of other players that have been making a back and forth on that defensive side of the ball, as well as a couple of guys on offense. Coming up for you this show, a lot of news has come out, and some of it pertains in, in a way specifically to the Kansas City Chiefs. I've gotten a ton of questions today, Sunday, as we record this. About the release of Earl Thomas, and yes, the Chiefs were very much in the mix for signing him back when he was uh, when it was time for him to leave the Seattle Seahawks. And at the time, I think most of the fan base was pretty pumped up. I was certainly uh, very excited about the prospect of seeing Earl Thomas in the Chiefs' defensive backfield. Um, now I'm not so sure if they didn't dodge a bullet there. What do you think? They absolutely dodged a bullet there, and honestly, you said it right the first time. They could have signed him uh, because he was a free agent, and they almost signed him. Uh, but he slept on it and ended up at a Raven uh, in Kansas City, ended up with Tyron Matthew. And I think, obviously, at this point, we can say easily that that was a better situation for Kansas City than uh, what they were going to be in. And, you know, this Earl Thomas thing, it's surprising because you didn't hear anything going on in Seattle, really. But... Ever since he's been a Raven, he's had issues. Well, I mean, you only heard about his angst with management, right? Flipping right. off Pete Carroll, I think that was now a sign that I can look back on and say, that's not just displeasure with your contact situation or your playing time or even the coaching staff that you're working for. Clearly, there are bigger things foot. He has had a monstrous offseason uh, with a number of you know, scandalous type behavior that we're not going to go into here because that's his personal life. And I frankly just don't care. But I think it all feeds into the fact that he couldn't go into camp and get along with his teammates. The fact that the Baltimore Ravens had a team meeting and let management know that they were okay with getting rid of the guy. That's the most significant thing to me. Absolutely. And they got rid of him. They cut him. And uh, I'm glad that uh, they got rid of him because that's obviously not going to be something that's going to work well for a team to have that type of situation. And I mean, he fought with a player on the defense like you see players get in fights but it's almost always offense versus defense yeah Uh, and those you kind of expect just because of the type of game that they're playing and you get it but you getting in a fight with one of your own defensive teammates and you're starting safety that's next to you all the time yeah that's a problem well and for a veteran player like that to not only be making that kind of mistakes but like you said fighting with his teammates Think of the difference, and this is the the contrast that I really want to draw because I've gotten a lot of people arguing with me about the fact uh, that what I said on Twitter was, if they had signed Earl Thomas, Tyron Matthew is not in Kansas City. And a lot of people want to come back at me saying, oh, they were trying to sign them both. Well, yeah, they were pursuing both of them. But had they signed Earl, there was not going to be enough money, especially specifically. Oh, there's no way. Exactly. And, And you wouldn't put that much money into one position anyway. So look at the the leadership contrast in what Tyron Matthew has become to this defense. I'm not going to say one of the leaders of the defense. No disrespect to Frank Clark or Anthony Hitchens or Chris Jones, but Tyron Matthew is the alpha dog on that side of the ball. He absolutely is. And 
great for Kansas City for getting this right because it looked like a little bit of a bad situation for Kansas City because you were expecting that they were going to get Earl Thomas and everybody's ex- excited to have Earl Thomas. But it's a blessing in disguise, and they got lucky in this situation that he slept on it and decided to go to Baltimore with a uh, more highly lucrative deal. I He will end up somewhere. I'm going to be very interested to see where he ends up. I'm guessing it's going to end up being Dallas, uh, but it's not going to be for the money that he was making before. And honestly, I just this whole situation is just very surprising to me. Yeah, I can't imagine anybody that's happy about this other than Derrick Henry. So, I mean, more power to him. But one place I can tell you that he will not be is Kansas City. There is absolutely no way that you bring this kind of BS into this locker room when they are so primed for a repeat. Yeah, there's no chance that they're bringing him back. Or, sorry, bringing him here. I apologize. Yeah, that that ship has sailed. And, you know, there's a lot of other things that have sailed, folks. When we get back, we're going to look at Juan Thornhill. Who's coming up? Who's had a couple of injuries? A lot of things changing day to day in Chiefs camp. We're going to cover that and we'll be back even later with uh, another look at some of the other details that are going to go into this next progression. The next couple of weeks are going to be critical for the Kansas City Chiefs. Talking about ED isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or or blame ourselves saying things like, uh, you know, I lost my mojo or we avoid it altogether with excuses like I had a long day at work or I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about. And you talk about it with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. It's safe, simple, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation, ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort of your home in privacy. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you free, second day air. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to roman.com slash locked on NFL and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to roman.com slash locked on NFL today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's getroman.com slash locked on NFL. Getroman.com slash locked on NFL. In addition to what Earl Thomas would have taken in terms of salary cap, that would have kept Tyron Matthew off this roster. I think there is definitely a possibility that the Chiefs would have, have gone away from drafting Juan Thornhill, who has still enormous upside for a guy who played very, very well as a rookie. And he seems to be coming on. Over the weekend, not only did he get back out to practice, uh, you guys might have seen that on Friday, but he actually was in seven on sevens on Sunday. And that is a step above what I actually thought was going to happen here so quickly. They are moving him along. He must be responding well to the increased workload, and that's a really good sign for what the Chiefs need to do starting off the season. No, it's absolutely a fantastic sign, and you're completely right. I don't think they draft Juan Thornhill if they go and get uh, Earl Thomas. So, you know, in this situation, Kansas City got blessed in in multiple areas, and and congratulations to them for getting it right. Uh, You look at what Juan Thornhill meant for this defense, and I think he's going to be a, a big player uh, this season and moving forward for Kansas City. So I'm really excited to see what he's able to do and to see him get back as quickly as he has uh, really goes to show how much he has taken heart of his uh, his treatment and his recovery. Yeah. I mean, so in effect, the, the luck, because the Chiefs were pursuing Earl Thomas pretty quickly, pretty hard uh, at the time, and the luck in not getting him actually computed over to having your entire safety group of your starters for the same money 
more or less. Um, you can always argue little little points of the contracts. But that said, it's beyond just having two starters for the price of one in this case, but it's also about what Juan Thornhill in particular allows Tyron Matthew to become. Now, maybe Earl would have been great. Uh, maybe, maybe being in Kansas City and not being in Baltimore would have allowed him to um, you know, change his attitude, get along. Maybe, maybe this isn't an issue where at the same amount of time that he's being released. But what it didn't do is allow you to have a player that plays over the top and actually supports your young corners as much as Juan Thornhill has. We saw multiple times last year where he came from either a split safety over the top on the opposite side of the field or in single high and is able to get all the way over to the sidelines to help out the corners. Having that safety blanket increases the potency of the guys that you have at CB. Absolutely. And I really like what Juan Thornhill has brought to this team. And, you know, obviously Tyron Matthew has been a phenomenal ad for Kansas City as well. So, you know, Good on the Chiefs for really addressing these two these two positions, uh, the two safety positions, and getting it right and getting the right players. You look at what those two are going to be as a, as a tandem, and you just get excited because that really does make it a little bit easier to not have necessarily the best talent at corner uh, because they are able to make up for some of those things. Like you said, Thornhill can get – uh, wherever he needs to on the field very quickly, and he can really give your corners a little bit of extra breathing room. Yeah, and I think they're going to need it. I, I am. I was almost half expecting um, late on Friday because of what we've seen the Chiefs do traditionally over the last couple of years with these these Friday drops of information that they haven't gone out and looked for another veteran corner. They seem to be comfortable with the way that Juan is progressing, and I, I think that makes them more comfortable with the corners they have and rolling out a plan that is a combination of the safety help along with the rookies they're going to have to fill in, the young players in general, uh, that can play while Bashad Breeland is out and still have a chance to compete with a secondary that can hold opposing offenses down below the threshold of this, you know, freight train that is the Kansas City Chiefs offense. That's a great way to describe their offense. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch this year and watch those two players and and watch the entire defense, you know, come alive and, and get to a point where they're able to uh, change games because I think the defense is going to take a step forward this year from what they were last year. I, I do too. I I like to see what Willie Gay's doing. He just had put out a mic'd out or a mic'd up on on Sunday, um, and, and I think you can see that while it's not all put together yet, I think that's going to help the second level of the defense. It doesn't matter to me where he's practicing in terms of units right now, um, because I think that's that's a lot of ebb and flow. There's a lot of experimentation with combinations and different packages. We heard from him last week that he was playing a lot in, of the, the two-backer set uh, in the Buffalo set, uh, which is two defensive tackles up front. But I think that that's going to come and go depending on what the personnel packages are, and that's another rookie that's going to have to contribute. And again, he's so past coverage-oriented in terms of, of what his upside is compared to the other linebackers. I think, again, that plays into what Juan Thornhill can do for him in order to give him coverage over the top. Yeah, and I think that it's going to be very interesting to see how that linebacker group shakes out overall because, you know, at this point, Damian Wilson hadn't been practicing. I didn't see that he returned to practice. Uh, so you're still in a situation where Gay is running with the second team unit and maybe they're just trying to get him a lot of different reps and he was able to run with both units. I'm not sure. So we'll have to see how that plays out over the next couple of weeks and, and what they end up with the starting lineup against the Houston Texans here in, I guess, a little under a month. Or a couple, really two, three weeks, right? Yeah, it's coming up quick. 
I'm looking forward to seeing what this defense is able to do. When you start looking at the different levels of the defense, Chris Jones returned to practice. I think that's a good sign. Frank Clark returned to practice, although um, we haven't really discussed this. I want to get your opinion real quick. Is it a little concerning that he seems to have a stomach virus for the second week, second year in a row? Yeah, I mean, that that does stand out, right? I mean, that's not something that you see commonly. Um, although I will say this, there are there are some people that just have certain proclivities that they're more susceptible to some things um, that, that tend to bother them. Right. Um, you know, like one of my kids has a lot of sinus issues. Right. So she's um, constantly coming up with something. It's not necessarily the same thing, but they're similar. Right. And maybe that's what the situation is with Frank. Uh, maybe that is is a term that um, the Chiefs can use as a blanket statement for a number of variety of, of things. But long and short, it's it's hiccups that it gives him that cause him to miss some time. Um, but he seems to bounce back just fine. So I, I'm not terribly concerned about it. Are you? I'm not going to say I'm terribly concerned, but it's a little worrisome to me that he's come up with this second year in a row. If it's not something that's going to affect him being able to be on the field, then that's fine. But, you know, just one of those things that kind of catches my eye, considering that he dealt with this all last year and I did keep him off the field and he lost a lot of weight. And, yeah, he was still effective towards the end of the season and great for him to be able to do that. But it's a little concerning that it's happening again. So, well, I'm hoping that they get it figured out. I do, too, because normally I would say, okay, for an edge rusher, maybe dropping a few pounds actually lets you be quicker. But Frank's game is about power. So I, I don't want to see him lose that weight again, too. I, I feel like if they can get everything under control uh, without the nerve uh, problems that he had last year, and if he can avoid these these stomach bugs, uh, I, I feel like he's going to be in good shape to really make not only a more consistent effort this year, but to have more of an impact. Absolutely. And Frank Clark having a, a bigger impact is going to go a long way for this defense to be even better than it was last year at the end of the year. And like we said before, this defense was a lot better than got credit for towards the end of the season. Yeah. Only room to improve. But if you can get to the point where you are even a middle tier um, between 10 and 16, 18 defense combined with this offense, whew, look out because teams couldn't contend with them. You, you could put them down 24 points and you still have to be concerned about it. So uh, this is only going to get more fun for us and difficult for opponents. When we get back, we're going to talk about some of the remarkable things that are going on at Chiefs camp right now. So the next thing I wanted to talk about, and this is something that actually got a lot of play on Twitter and people were talking about it. Uh, Patrick Mahomes looked like he called a hook and ladder play to himself near the goal line on during the the practice with uh, the season ticket holders in the stands. I so want to tell you that I'm surprised, but I'm just not. The, the outlandish stuff that we are going to see here in the next couple of years, I mean, it's one thing to drop back and do what he does. It's, it's another thing to add the no looks, which still creep me out from time to time. But how much more creative can you get? And my question is going to be, did Andy draw that up or did Patrick? Because I saw a little bit of audio. I thought it was him and Kelsey that were just like, hey, it was almost schoolyard from what I saw. Right. And that's exactly what it seemed like to me. And the thing that's exciting to me about that is, you know, you look at that and you say, well, they're never going to run that in a game. Okay. You're probably right. They probably will never run that in a game. But guess what? As a defensive coach, you now have to actually 
plan for it <laughs> just in case. And isn't that so, what they said about Nick and the Philly Philly thing? Yeah. <laughs> so it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I enjoy seeing that type of thing in, in a situation where Mahomes can't get hit because he's going against his own team. That's even better. Uh, but, you know, he's a football player, and I think he proved against the San Francisco 49ers in the Super Bowl that he doesn't like he doesn't mind taking hits. So you got to hit me, bro. Yeah, I'm sorry. That was a quote. I mean, <laughs> just just don't get carried away. I don't want to see me get hit like that again. <laughs> oh, I get it. And I completely am with you. I don't like seeing him get hit like that either. But he obviously takes it and uses it. So uh, more power to him. Yeah. <laughs> just uh, let, let's get a let's get a blocker out front, please. Um, can I get a little Sherm, please? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't need it on that play. No, I know, but I just feel better with sure. But honestly, <laughs> the, the creativity and the thought process to be able to think, okay, well, I can just leak out of the back, backfield. Nobody's going to care about the quarterback. That's pretty smart. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> – especially when you think about the defense that he's going against. Yes, uh, a lot of new faces on there, right? But a lot of athleticism. I mean, a lot of athleticism on the defense. And so to, to think that, hey, we're going to be able to put something over on them that they're not going to be ad- able to adapt to – that's pretty telling in and of itself. Absolutely. And obviously the defense, I'm sure probably didn't appreciate it. Although, you know, I'm sure it got a pretty big reaction from the crowd. (laughs) Uh, I can only imagine what the crowd was like after seeing that play. So uh, good on them though, because, you know, it's making the the crowd have a good time and considering this is the only time they're going to be able to see him until game day. uh, It's, it's a big deal. I was so not prepared for you to say crowd. <laughs> yeah, well, it still seems like a foreign concept, but the fact that that the Chiefs once again show that they're leaders around the NFL in doing this, in getting something out front, so that honestly, so that all the support personnel, all the security personnel, all the vendor personnel can practice. It's the same thing as a football team practice doing what you need to do in order to keep everybody safe. I think that's really important, and I'm I'm impressed that they did it. Yeah, and it's it was surprising to me that they were doing that, but uh, good on them for being able to do that, and, and good on them for you know getting it uh, for the most part seem be pretty successful. Although I know that people were reporting that there were some people that weren't wearing their masks, but yeah, and I think Andy said it best. You know, we're working on it. It's right. all an adjustment, if, including for the fans, and I think I think that's going to be something that's going to be hammered home. That's going to be reiterated over and over and over, and I think. Hopefully, this is a one-season thing. Um, there is talk about what the virus might become in another year, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I think getting into the habit, I think, is probably the biggest obstacle. I know it is for me when when I'm out and about. Um, but I'm hoping that that will change as as times go on and there are more games at Arrowhead. Absolutely. And you know, I went out this morning and went to the grocery store, and I got almost into the grocery store and realized, oh, crap, I don't have my mask. So <laughs> I've done uh, the same thing. I mean, it's, you know, it's one of those things. It's something you're going to have to get used to if you want to go out and do things. And uh, it is what it is. And hopefully you're right. It is just one season, but we'll see how that ends up. Um, A lot of time between now and and next year and a lot of things can happen. So uh, hopefully it's just one season. Yeah. And and I think just like the the crews that have to run the concessions and the security and everything else, the, the fans need some practice too. And I think, especially when you're talking about the limited number of seats. And this was an event, correct me if I'm wrong, that was all season ticket holders, right? Yep. 
So you're going to think that there are a lot of the, of the population of the 16,000 that will be at games this fall. It'll yeah, take them and, a couple of times, right? Well, it's going to take them a couple of times. And you have to also consider uh, the whole thought process is, okay, well, you can have it off to eat and drink. Okay, well, you know, are you going to remember to put it on the second you stop eating and drinking? I mean, you would hope that that would be the case, I guess, in this scenario, but that's not going to be the reality of the situation for most people, I wouldn't think. And the other side of it is, is you have people that are going to be at your stadium that are going to be there as family groups. And that's more of a situation where it's not as big of an issue because if you're around them all the time anyway, then the whole purpose of wearing a mask is to keep the people around you safe, not necessarily people that are, you know, a hundred yards away. Right. Well, and, and I think the whole thing is about erring on the side of caution in a number of different ways that give you overlapping precaution against spreading this thing. Um, and so, like you said, it's family units. The pods that they're going to see people in are generally going to be family units, friend units, I'm sure. You know, if you know, six guys are always go to games together, there's going to be a group of them. But they're probably hanging out already anyway. So the masks are, are there to buffer against other people around them. And I think people will get used to it. I think it'll become not such a big deal, especially when it gets cold. People are going to want something to cover their face anyway. Yeah. It's just one of those things that you're going to have to continue to deal with. And it's going to be a completely different season than it, all, than it has been. And we already knew that. But uh, so it'll be interesting to see how teams adjust and how uh, fans adjust. But really, you know, the Chiefs are in a situation where they're thinking that they're going to have fans at their games. And if they're going to do that, then, you know, the, there are going to be some requirements to be able to go to those games. So um, be interesting to see how that continues. Yeah, and maybe more than any season in the past, it's more of a of a privilege to be able to go than a right. You know what I mean? When you look around the league and how many stadiums have said, we're not letting fans in, period. I think that's, again, a testament not only to the faith that the organization has in its fan base to follow rules, but in the preparation for the organization to figure out what the rules need to be to keep everybody else safe. Um, and I think the scariest thing about this thing, and I know there's people out there listening right now that feel that this is overblown and there's, this this infection isn't a big deal. I think there's the big thing, and I want to bring this back because I haven't said it out loud in quite a long time. The big thing is that I just don't think they know enough yet. And so all of this is really to just err on the side of caution rather than not treating it with enough respect for something that could turn out to be a bigger deal than it is right now. Yep. And that's really what it comes down to is you're airing, you're trying to be as cautious as you, as you possibly can and continue to do whatever it is and, and try to have a normal, somewhat normal life. Normal is kind of a, a joke at this point, but you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I It's it's like the first like six weeks of, of having a new baby in the house, right? Nobody's sleeping. Nobody knows what's going on. It's all trying to figure out what works best. And I think that's still the case uh, specifically in sports, but in a number of things around the nation too. So uh, be thankful, even if you think it's a little bit too far to go, be thankful that the organization and the NFL as a whole, I think is doing a decent job, but I think the chiefs in particular are leaders in this aspect of trying to do the best they can to not only provide the entertainment and the on-field experience that you expect, but, but trying to think outside the box and go that extra mile to keep everybody safe as well. Well, they have to if they're going to be the team that, that has fans in the stands, which, you know, that's going to be a big deal. If they're able to have fans, great. Uh, and I hope that's able. I hope they're able to continue that. Yeah, I, I certainly do, too. It's and nothing's written in stone. 
There could be changes in the future, folks. But as it stands right now, I think if everybody can get behind and get in, in walking in one direction, I think there's a good chance. I think the low rate that we've seen uh, the last few weeks is a really positive sign. And, and I hope that that continues after there's actual contact at games. So at that point, we'll know a little bit more as we go each week. So just like you, we will take it week by week and show by show. And we appreciate you being here to listen to us today as well as last week and and every day before that, we very much appreciate that, as well as all of your reviews, all your notes that we get at Locked on Chiefs on Twitter. Please continue those. Follow us over there. Follow me at Ryan Tracy NFL. Uh, leave those iTunes reviews, and we will keep putting out content for you as we learn about it, give you our takes, uh, popular or not. We will be here for you every day, all season long. Thank you for listening to us today, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Ryan Tracy is the founder of Rogue Analytics and the host of RGR Football on YouTube. Follow him there. Chris Clark is a senior analyst at ChiefsDigest.com where you can get his work. Rate and review at Apple Podcasts and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. Thank you for listening.